2: John, before we dive into the podcast, some more announcements. We like to start the show with announcements sometimes. Yes. (laughs) Coming up, we'll start with this announcement. We're talking baseball and music and football
3: with uh, a very cool guy on the show today. Yep. Uh, Sarah High School, home of Tom Brady, Barry Barry Bonds. Bonds. Oh, yeah. And uh, Hunter Bishop, who was the 10th pick in the 2019 Major League Baseball draft, 10th overall pick to the Giants. Played at Arizona State, could have played college football. We talked to him. We'll dive in to a little bit of everything with him. Also, send us your mailbag
2: questions. We had some big mailbag stuff at the end of the podcast today. Here's how you do it. You go to iTunes, and you leave a review. And in that review, you leave us a question, and we address the mailbag. Uh, you know, midweek, we do it whenever they, they tend to pile up. We get a backlog. Like, some of them show up, I think, a week late. So
3: don't fret. Don't fret if we don't get to it quickly. Also, a lot of people, guy, have asked us, "Where did our song go for our intro?" And uh, a- as we grow and get bigger, you know, we want to do legitimate business. Like that's there's right. that point in time whenever you watch like a mob movie or a drug movie, when the guy looks at his partner and he goes, "I I need to legitimize. Yep. I I, I want to go legit. Yep. I, w- I want my money to be real. I'll pay taxes. Yep. And it's just like you can't, as anyone knows that's our age or a little younger, the stream. There there are rules when it comes to music. Peter Gabriel, we're not paying them, and they get to a time where, you know, they could either send us a bill or, you know, get a little lawsuit our way. We're not into it. You know, we're trying to be legit. Great song, great song. I got to give Haverman credit on that one. That was a good sign off. I I will still. I made a loop out of it. I will still listen to that loop.
2: I actually went listen to the real song the other day, and I was disappointed that the song the guys Peter starts singing after 30 seconds. I'm like, no, I want more of the loop. Yeah. Um but we'll uh we'll play something. Cuz you I
3: don't, don't think that they would just give it to us for free. No, I don't think it works like that. I don't I don't even <laughs> think they could if they wanted to. Ask Taylor yeah. Swift,
2: like it's hard to even
3: yeah. get your own shit. Do you, do you know how Michael Jackson became a billionaire? What, touring? Well, no owning the catalogs oh, oh, of obviously the Beatles, but just people's music. He just owned the music. That's the more streaming came out, that became the most powerful thing is own What what do you think Taylor Swift's all angry about, right? She didn't own her catalog. And so we're just taking that catalog from all these people that are bitching right. and moaning about all the money getting generated. So you just we're trying to be smart here. Yeah. You know? We're trying to go legit, like you said. We're trying to go <laughs> trying legit. To be, we just want to own like, a, you know, a, a burger joint or something.
2: Yeah. We, we got to wash our money. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Laundromat? Uh, ham uh, laundromat? Uh, oh, uh, like a car cleaning place? Uh-huh. Exactly. Like Marvin Harrison's car wash? Yeah. Parking lot? A parking lot? That's a great business opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Especially in the Bay, uh, getting our DraftKings game as well. We got one for the uh, Genesis. I wish Tiger was doing like a media availability or something. This I would imagine. The, I, is he there? I, read that I, I would not. I read that Tiger's not giving an update this week, but yeah, maybe he's got. I mean, I would hope. Well, it's his turn. I, I think he's I know. there. Yeah.
3: I know. He was at the Super Bowl a couple weeks ago. I mean, look, God, he's got skinny legs.
2: Uh, yeah. Anyway, getting our DraftKings game. Sign up with Code Ham, and uh, yeah, let's have some fun there. Okay, let's do it. Metal car, hey, babes. Da 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 da.
3: We do need to get some music in. We'll figure that out. Yeah, it doesn't quite hit the same, does it? Yeah, but I mean, I like come after us. Uh, Huh? You know, you don't have to look over your back shoulder, right? Right. You know, it's like the mob. Once the guy, the thing with when you're in the mob, though. You're always thinking about, like, God, am I going to get popped for killing that guy 13 years ago? Even when you're legit? We didn't necessarily, you know, I I don't know. Can you come over, like, podcasts in 2020? Maybe you could. Who knows? Bigger issues in America.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I got a backlog to deal with. Uh, A lot going on. All right. Uh, We'll also have some videos on our YouTube channel, so go check that out. And we'll do a mailbag coming up after our conversation. You already did a little bit of an intro, but it's very cool. He's down in Arizona. Uh, Like you said, John, he was one of the top picks the 2019 draft. He's a Bay Area guy. You and I both love baseball. So this was it was cool to talk to to Bish Hunter Bishop. I think our first baseball player guest on this show. uh, Yeah, that's right. He is Hunter Bishop getting ready for uh, spring training. And it's awesome to have you, man. We appreciate it. Are you? Uh, do you feel like you're deep in in baseball season right now?
4: Uh, no, I actually feel I feel pretty refreshed. I feel ready to go. Uh, super excited uh, to finally get on a field, though. It's been it's been a while.
3: So, what'd you do? Obviously, last year with Corona, short baseball season for the minor league guys. Season canceled, but they had the unique kind of taxi squad for guys like yourself. W- what was last year like?
4: Yeah. So, I mean, we started spring training like a regular year. It was technically my first spring training. Uh, I was super excited, like super bright eyed, you know, cause I got to be around guys like Longoria and Crawford, uh, Posey, but it was weird because one day they just called us in the office and we're like, Hey, we're going home. So, I mean, I sat home for four or five months ended up getting the coronavirus. Um, so, and then they called me for the alternate site or actually they called me for spring training 2.0 and I was going to go to there, San Francisco, but, I was right in my time of actually having the virus. So I showed up to uh, Sacramento, which was the alternate site. And I, 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 it was, a, it was technically like a, they counted it as a full season. So I'm one year deep in uh, in a full season of pro baseball. And uh, I also did instructional league in September, I believe. So uh, it's, it was, you know, for guys like me, I was very fortunate to even step on the field and, and play some games. Uh, Cause you know, a lot of these kids and guys didn't get to, even play one, one ounce of baseball. So just for me to be able to get on the field, I was super fortunate.
2: This has to feel like, a, I mean, it probably sounds cliche, but it has to feel like a whirlwind, right? You're the, you're first of all, college baseball is so different than like NBA or the NFL. The draft happens, you're at ASU, you're on a really good team. Uh, you're having a great year and you get drafted in the first round, you go 10th overall and then boom, it's like time to become a pro ball player. So you you play whatever, 25 games of rookie ball and then bam, here comes your first full year and it's just a bizarre year. Does it feel like, uh, I mean, do you feel like you've been a pro ball player for five years or six months?
4: <laughs> uh, I mean, to be honest, it feels like I've been, been doing it for a long time now, especially with all I've been doing is training. So it's just like, God, I'm ready to play. But um, I mean, definitely a different dynamic than college. I mean, college, you're, you know, you're the top of the line player, you're a stud and then You go right back to the minor leagues and you're bottom of the totem pole. So, um, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, I'm thankful for my opportunity to even go to spring training. So, I'm excited.
3: When you're the 10th overall pick in a draft, you know, in the other sports, because you go right to the show, right, and you play, if you're the 10th pick in football, you're a starter in basketball. At worst, you're like the sixth man. In baseball, there's kind of a long road. What's that feeling like, the pressure, but then you realize you just kind of start from zero?
4: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely different. You know, like I said, you go from being the top college, one of the top college baseball players in the country to being nobody even knows your name, you know? So, um, luckily enough for me, I've gotten an amazing opportunity to, like I said, go to spring training this year and who knows what the year is going to entail. You know, um, I could go to a single, a double, a major, who knows? So, uh, I would say the pressure, I don't, I don't really feel pressure yet because I haven't done anything. So, Um, I I think in spring training, it's just a great opportunity for me to show my talent and get around the guys and be a good teammate. Uh, But like I said, I'm super, I'm super, I'm really looking forward to this opportunity and taking advantage of everything I can.
3: How fast for that 10th overall pick direct deposit to fire in, did that take?
4: Uh, I think it took, I think it was like mid-rookie ball. It hit my account. I remember just like looking at my phone one day from my account went from like probably 20 bucks uh, (laughs) to You know, a good, a good amount of money. So uh, it, it was it was nice. I remember all the guys asking me to see the the account. I'm like, no, no,
2: I'm not sure. You know? <laughs> well, that, yeah, see, that brings up an interesting question. John and I were talking about this earlier. Like the, the old days of like, we always laugh about the old days of baseball, right? Like the 50s when guys had jobs in the offseason. But I think it's become a much more. Uh, known kind of just situation publicly over the last couple of years because what minor league baseball players make and the way that they get treated relative to the rest to the to the highest level is a conversation, right? So for a lot of your guys, when you walk in as a first round pick, I mean, you might be around guys that are making seven hundred bucks a week or whatever the number is. Uh, and so you do play a sport where there a lot of people, it seems like probably still are in the same boat that the big leaguers were. You know, back when Mickey Mantle, were, I don't know if Mickey ever had to work at like a grocery store, but, you know, like, do you see a lot of that around when you just look around the sport? Do you see a lot of guys that are in other systems, guys, you know, that, you know, do have to find other ways to make money when baseball season's not happening or even when it is?
4: Yeah, I mean, a ton of my close buddies uh, have jobs. And I mean, it's tough because, you know, the the pinnacle of baseball is the major league. And when you make it to the major leagues, even if you're the worst player on the roster, you're still making, you know, a ton of money. So, uh, I think, I mean, they always are trying to stress minor leaguers getting paid more, but for me, I think that's, that's what you're working toward. That's what you want to become as a major league baseball player, you know? So, uh, it's kind of the same thing with me. This is a total total different topic, but paying college players, I think it's the same exact thing. You work your whole life to become a professional. And I think that's what makes it so valuable. So, I mean, granted, coming from a guy like me, I'm sure a lot of guys are like, screw you, you know, you, you've you made a good amount of money. But, I mean, even if I didn't, I think I would still have the same the same mindset of uh, you're trying to reach that pinnacle peak of, of baseball or sport. Um, so, I think that's what makes making the show so much more valuable.
3: Well, how do you balance, you know, you get the large chunk of change when you're drafted high, but you're not even guaranteed to ever make the major leagues. And you were the 10th overall pick, you know, I mean, you just never know. It's so hard. And then even let's say you're lucky enough to one day get there. We know how hard it is to stay. This do people tell you, Hey man, you got to put half of that away right now. Or, I mean, it, it, was there a big purchase or did you put it all in savings? Like how, how do you balance that? Just knowing how rough the road is in the sport of baseball. Cause it's not like any of the other team sports. <laughs>
4: yeah i mean i think fortunately enough for for me i got uh introduced to scott boris and his whole entire team and um he's obviously yeah he's obviously a genius at what he does and the best in the business so i mean he has a full team of financial people who who definitely steer me in the right direction and help me make all my decisions safely and uh correctly you know because i mean when you're a 22 year old kid and you get a uh, a large sum of money, you know, a lot of a lot of dudes do blow it. Yeah, I mean, it's very it's very prevalent in in sport today. So uh, I'm lucky enough and fortunate to have Scott on my side and uh, steering me in the right direction with his team. You're not wearing the Boris logo right now. I'm not, I'm not, I should be, I shouldn't be uh, kind of advertising him, but here's my advertisement to him. He's uh, he's, he's an amazing dude and the best. So I'm I'm lucky to have him.
3: What's he like? Okay. We got it. Yeah. We got to dive into Scott Boris. <laughs> We've all seen the photos of like Boris with like
2: 80 people around him, holding mics, holding court at the winter meetings, you know?
4: You know, he's very, he's very calm. Um, he's very, he's amazing, but I'd say the biggest thing that impressed me about Scott when meeting with him was just how, how knowledgeable he is and how, um, How smart he is to have how he's built his business um just kind of looking at the statistics in his booklet i'm sure he'll get mad at me for for you talking about this but the numbers he's done compared to anybody else aren't even close um and i I mean just just taking away take money away from it seeing how he's built his his business is is pretty impressive
3: when was the first time you met him and you know when he's coming after you he's recruiting you right freshman year he was recruiting you (laughs)
4: Well, actually I got, I got introduced to him, um, through Spencer Torkelson, who's, uh, you know, is the, is still the hot commodity. Uh, he's an absolute stud, but Spencer signed with him. I I believe his, or not signed, but went with his agency to be his advisor, his freshman year of college when he hit like 20,000 home runs, you know? So, um, I, I got introduced to him through Spencer, and then the rest was history when I met with him. Um, but thank God for my junior year, I, I definitely probably wouldn't have an agent.
2: <laughs> well, that's <laughs> see, that's interesting, because Spencer was the guy, for people that don't follow maybe the draft as closely, he was the number one pick last year. But he was from the he, – he broke Barry – like you, he's a Barry guy. He broke Barry Bonds' freshman home run record at ASU, and Barry was his favorite player. Um, you had a different path, right? You did not look like, your first year was not like, oh, well, here comes Hunter Bishop. It's just a matter of time before he's the top 10 pick. So what what was that like for you to to watch somebody else going through that? He's a year younger than you though, right? But here you are as a sophomore grinding and this guy comes in and just bang, instant star.
4: Well, what's funny is everybody, everybody always, uh, and I'm not saying you're doing this at all, but everybody always says like, my freshman and sophomore year were terrible, but my freshman year, I was 17 years old, and I hit—I think I want to say—I hit like 305 with five home runs, and I'm sitting there going, "Wow, I'm a I'm a great freshman in the Pac-12." And then, I Spencer comes in his freshman year and just absolutely dominates the competition. I'm going, "Wow, I got a lot of work to do." So um, it was uh, it was it was a fun thing to watch, man. He's he's a once in a generation talent for sure.
3: And really, ASU. I guess UCLA, too, is kind of like, you know, Alabama, LSU, of football out here, right, for baseball. I mean, it's you're, you're at an absolute power. So, if you're just playing, you you know, once you start playing as a freshman, you go, I, I got a chance to play in the big leagues. I mean, this is the path that the Pedroyas, I mean, you just look at the long lineage of players at the school, right?
4: Absolutely. I mean, and our coach, Tracy Smith, the, the first thing he told me was – if you come here and don't want to play in the major leagues, don't come here. So, um, I mean, that's what Tracy stresses. And I think it's, it's a big thing for recruiting. I mean, you want to play in the big leagues, your goal is to play in the big leagues. So, uh, I mean, I certainly wasn't going to play college baseball to just, you know, go party and stuff like that. So, um, definitely, definitely ASU is a place to to go to the big leagues. They on. you. up. Know,
3: well, I bet I bet the motto is "You hit bombs, the babes follow," right?
4: Something like that. <laughs> uh, no comment on that one. But, uh, yeah.
2: What What is ASU like? Let's talk about that for a second.
4: Wow, ASU is uh, it's an amazing place. I mean, as uh, as John just kind of said, there's there's some distractions, but um, <laughs> it's it has it has everything in front of you. You know, there, it presents everything. There's Scottsdale. There's there's Tempe. There's amazing football games. There's, um, yeah, I mean it's it's a great spot. There's I think there's every professional sports team. There's hockey, NFL, baseball. So it, it's a lot of fun. It's a uh, it's a great spot, and I, it's my home now. So uh, I love Arizona.
3: It's weird, you know. I'd say football is very regimented, very focused. You know, especially during season, you might screw around once, maybe a week after a win. Where baseball probably has more parallels to like golf, where it's like you play, but you also relax a lot and you can screw around because you don't want to take it too seriously, especially as a hitter or even as a pitcher. Was there a balance coming from high school with going to the going to play college baseball that you learned? Like, you know, you got to you got to let loose a little bit and be focused like it's not just grinding in the cage 24 seven.
4: 7 Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a balance, especially when you go from being a, you know, a young high school kid to a college like ASU, you know, you're kind of hit in the face with how much it it presents to you uh, just off the baseball field. You know, you really have to take care of your business and stay focused because, like I said, there's definitely a lot of distractions that can um, throw you outside of what you want to become or what you want to work towards. Um, So, but I think I'm actually thankful for that because if I went to, if I didn't go to college, or I didn't go to ASU, I wouldn't know that. So then when I was thrown into professional baseball, all these distractions then present themselves. So, I mean, for me, I'm really happy I went to ASU to get that experience and mature a lot uh, to take care of my business and and make sure I'm staying focused to get the overall goal, which is helping the, the Giants win a World Series one day.
2: We, I do want to talk to you about the Giants, John and I. Uh, but I, I want to get the story straight, too, because John, John spent some time in colleges a you know, in the recruiting department at Fresno State and then as an NFL scout with the Eagles. And so we got to talk about you, the football player. Uh, how close were you really to playing college football? The story is that you were going to Washington to play football. That that was going to you're going to be a receiver for Chris Peterson.
4: High school football was some of the best times of my life. And I made some lifelong friends. Uh, my high school football coach, we uh, we just had a little Zoom call with Tom Brady, which was awesome. But um he uh, he he really instilled some great values. I mean, I think everybody should play football in high school or, you know, another sport. I think it's important to keep your mind off baseball. Like John kind of said at all times, you got to balance. So I love football. I miss it too.
3: So you play baseball or you played football up through your senior year in high school?
4: Yeah, through senior year of high school.
3: And you were, had you committed to Washington? Were there other Pac-12 schools or other schools that were coming after you? Like what what were your opportunities for football?
4: So I was actually a quarterback my first Two years of high school, uh, and I, I liked quarterback, but I just knew I was I was probably like wasting my athleticism a little bit. Um, so me and uh, Patrick Walsh decided to let me switch to wide receiver. And uh, as soon as I committed to Washington, actually a funny story that not a lot of people know is I was at dinner with uh, Tony Granato, who is a longtime coach for the Detroit Red Wings NHL. We're at dinner in Los Gatos, California, and Jim Harbaugh walks to the door. And we start talking, and he found out that I was committed to Washington. And the next, I believe, the next Friday, I was at St. Francis vs. Sarah uh, High School basketball game, and I get a text: "Hey, this is Jim Harbaugh. I would love to have you out for a visit." And, wow! Uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, I I don't know if I still have the text, but uh, <laughs> would you did you take the, the, did you take the visit? I actually didn't. I was I was pretty dead set on uh, playing for Coach Pete. Uh, we kind of formed a cool bond because I had went to a couple of their camps, especially with my older brother playing baseball. at UW. I, I loved it up there. And they I think at the time they were like, I want to say they were number three in the country or four in the country. So I, I think I was dead set on that one.
2: So what changed? What, why? Why? the Why the switch from football to baseball? I know John loves the idea of a baseball player with a football football attitude. But what changed for you?
4: Uh, well, I mean, I think after just kind of looking at the longevity of my career, you know, I know it's kind of cliche to say, but I, I just thought that the longevity of my career and what I was better at, I mean, I was a good football player, but I, I definitely think the talent in baseball was, was much higher and, uh, presented me a lot better opportunity for, for my career. And, and then, then what happened was I got to college, started playing baseball and I, I fell in love with the game. So uh, it was, I mean, at, at first it was a really hard decision, but you know, after seeing the way everything turned out, I think I made the right decision. So who, who's Did your you comp? Ever take that's,
2: the, that's the yeah. question. Yeah. Who's your comp?
4: My football comp? A lot of people would say Adam Thielen. <laughs> I mean he's making like forty
3: million dollars. He just got a contract extension last year.
4: Yeah, but hey, I'll let him I'll let him have his shine. You know, I didn't I didn't want to take anything away from that guy. He's pretty good.
3: Did you ever think about going like Jeff Samarja in college and doing both? Or is that not really an option as much anymore?
4: Yeah, I mean I actually met with uh Todd Graham when I visited ASU and it was definitely an option for me. Um Maybe if Herm Edwards was there when I was getting recruited, it would have it would have changed my mind. I'm not saying Todd wasn't a great guy, but I just I, I've met Herm a couple of times and he he's one he's of my favorite yeah, yeah, he's one of my favorite humans. So um, I, I think if he would have been there it might have been a different story, but I, I, I just wanted to focus on baseball and and really hone in on my craft because coming out of high school I was very raw prospect. I mean, I had a chance to get drafted, but my skills were definitely not not all put together at the time. So I, I really wanted to hone in and focus on the craft.
3: Well, so how'd you know, like you said, your ceiling, like you scouted yourself. You knew your ceiling was smaller in football, pro-wise, but in baseball was higher. Like, did someone tell you that? Did you just know, watching other good players that you go going to camps with? How did you kind of gauge that? That's a lot to handle at 17 years old.
4: Absolutely. I think a big a big factor, that was my dad. Uh, and, I mean, Patrick Walsh, he he was very honest and upfront with me and said it's going to be a hard road to, to play NFL football. Um and I mean, that's not, I don't think he was taking anything away from my talent, but he saw me play baseball and he's seen a lot of, he's seen a lot of NFL players. Like, like I, like we kind of talked about before we got on, uh, Bakhtiari was a guy he, he knew was going to be a superstar in the NFL. And I'm, I do not think he thought I wasn't, but I just think he knew because he played baseball in college at Texas. So I think he knew, uh, the talent was there in baseball to be, to be, uh, something different. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a lot of conversations. It was a really hard decision, but in the end it was, uh, baseball.
2: I'm just going to throw for people just watching the YouTube. Here's just a photo. Patrick Walsh is the football coach at Sarah and really successful. And there's you and there's Brady and there's Bakhtiari. And this was like, I don't know, like a month ago. Brady was getting ready for the Saints,
4: I think, right? Yeah, that was was the week of the Saints game,
2: yeah. Are you you and Brady? You guys are all – these are all Sarah guys for people, South Bay. Uh, Are you and – what's the Tom Brady, uh, you know Tom at all?
4: yeah I mean Tom's someone I, I really look up to he's a friend he's uh, someone I can you know ask anything to uh, he's probably I mean we don't talk a ton because the guy's super busy um, but I mean anytime I shoot him a text he's, he's amazing he gets back to me and gives me some great advice so I mean Tom Tom's someone I, I look up to aspire to be anything close to, to the same you know he's, a, he's the best athlete to ever do it so um, super thankful for that relationship man he's, he's, he's a special guy for sure it's
3: cool How'd the relationship start? How'd you meet him?
4: Well, actually, I got drafted in uh, June of 2019, and I'll never forget it. I, I'm in the locker room, Salem, Salem, Oregon, playing for the Volcanoes, the Giants rookie ball team at the time. And I uh, just, after a game, I went back and I said, hey, Hunter, this is Tom Brady. Congratulations. Uh, if you ever need anything, I'm uh, here. And then it just kind of started through that and just tried to stay in touch with him. Like I said, he's a he's a very busy guy. So the fact that he even gets back to me is... Is uh, is pretty awesome, and uh, I'm thankful for the relationship I have with him.
3: Did he hammer home like this is this is this Tom Brady? This is <laughs> like a random dog. this is Super well, Bowl champion Brady? I mean, it was
4: just kind of one of those coming to the world moments. Like I, I, I don't know. I didn't have that many cool people on my phone, but uh, just to get a text from from Tom himself, and he literally read the line. That's Tom Brady. I was like, oh wow, is this a joke or what? That's
2: pretty awesome. Wasn't, isn't there a story about you now you're talking like that ASU saw you because like listening to you talk, you didn't play, you weren't playing like, were you playing on a bunch of travel ball teams? Baseball doesn't sound like, so a, is the story that like ASU saw you cause you were a late sub and in, in like some random game and you, somebody popped the ball up to left field and you chased it down or something like that. What's the story?
4: Well, actually the story is I uh, was in high, I was a, going into my senior year of high school, I had actually played travel ball that summer. Cause the year prior I was like a DH and I wasn't playing that much, but um, I went, I had kind of started to do pretty good that summer. And I went to an area coach tryout, which is like the big high school uh, showcase for, you know, kids trying to play college ball. And I, they said I was a pitcher. They said, Oh, you can't, you can't try out. You're a pitcher. I'm like, I'm not a pitcher. And, uh, I snuck on the field actually, one of the scouts I had known through my brother. And he's like, yeah, just go run a 60 yard dash. And I think I ran like a six, three, nine or something like that. And, uh, I remember the ASU coach was standing like right there and, I took pretty good batting practice and uh, played. I didn't play at all in the area codes because I think they still thought I was a pitcher. Uh, But I think I had maybe two or three at-bats. And uh, our ASU head coach, Tracy Smith, was there. And then that's kind of when it all happened. He called my dad and was like, Your son is a Major League Baseball player. He can play football all he wants. But if he ever wants to come check out the campus, uh, let us know. Wow.
3: When when Guy and I were in college in like the mid two thousands, I, I was at Cal Poly, he was at Fresno State. Both had good baseball teams, and you know these guys just hit these bombs with the bats, and it was like that forever. But in college baseball, they changed within the last like decade, right? The bats aren't as crazy. Like you don't see guys hitting like thirty five home runs or the five hundred. It's it's not wood bats, but it's not what it once was. Is that true?
4: Yeah, I mean. They I, they definitely deaden them. I mean, I remember hitting in Little League with those things, and those balls would just jump <laughs> off the bat. But uh, I mean, if you got power, I think I think you can still hit the ball out of the yard. It might not go as far, but guys, guys seen it. He's seen me hit a few homers. So I have. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it does. I don't think it's. Well, it's a lot better than a wood bat still. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you get it yeah. on the barrel on the right spot, it's going out.
2: Let's uh let's look at some. We've got some for those listening on the podcast. You can listen to this. We got some just some. Uh, that's your studio. We can talk about that, too. I we just want to look at your swing and understand what are we looking at exactly because I think there's so much talk now about how hard guys swing launch angle. John and I talk about we're golf fans like you are. you're a big golfer. um what are we? I've got a I got a slow motion video here too, but just tell us what are we looking at here? like w- what are you trying to do? Is that a little jock Peterson load up there trying <laughs> to hit, just go hit
3: a bomb?
4: <laughs> I like I that. mean actually, you know what's funny is a couple of weeks ago I was um I was, I was talking to Pat Murphy. It's the first time I actually met him. Legendary ASU coach. uh, Coaches for the Brewers now. And he, everybody always compares me to, to like loading up like Christian Yelich. And he obviously coaches on uh, Yelich's team. And uh, he was like, You know, Yelich was uh, going through a tough time last year, and uh, we were like, oh, well, that Bishop kid, I'm sure he's doing fine. So, I thought that was a pretty funny story, because I've I've always got to compare to Yelich, but I think Yelich is just uh, a little bit better at the time, you know, he's uh, he's an an MVP. I think Pat was just obviously joking, but um, yeah, I mean, I I think I try to do my own thing, but I, I get compared to Yelich a good amount, and um some other guy, maybe cody bellinger a little bit but uh those guys are pretty good at what they do so i just try to be myself and hit the ball at the yard it's about all i'm trying to do
3: what is the key for those of you guys uh listening on the podcast we got the video going what do you th- do you even think when you swing i mean is it just well, what's the deal uh, I mean, here? i think a
4: lot yeah. of my thinking comes from the top video uh in the cage you know i I got some. I got uh, some pretty good coaches in my corner with the Giants, and uh, they've helped me a lot. Just take a lot of the thinking out of it, because uh, in college I would think a lot in the box. And if you've talked to any successful hitter, that's that's not the way you're gonna you're gonna hit for numbers. So um, or hit the ball hard, I guess would be the proper way to say that. But um, I mean, I think a lot of my thinking comes from the cage, and then I just once I get on the field, it's it's all it's all talent and it's all athleticism. So I just try to let that take over. But I would say a lot of my thinking comes from the cage, right there.
2: So are you swinging as hard as possible?
4: Uh, no, I think in college I would do that a lot. And people would always tell me, you know, you got to tone, tone it down a little bit because um, there was a good amount of swing and miss in college for sure. Um, but I think now it's just more controlling, as you can kind of see, like controlling my back leg and really driving through the baseball and just trying to stay balance because I, I know once I take a swing, if I can stay balanced through the whole thing, it's uh, it's probably my perfect pace. So now I would say probably 80, 85%.
5: free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon chicken breast or steak tips in every order for free sign up today at butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get twenty dollars off your first order prize picks is America's number one fantasy sports app because it's the easiest and most exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite players in sports you just pick more or less on two or more player stats and then the fun is on prize picks has something for every sports fan from basketball to hockey to league of legends and everything in between it's really simple to play you make your picks submit an entry in less than 60 seconds i'll do it at halftime of a basketball game and i also have some season long more or less picks on mlb homers you may remember i've got less on otani homers this year we'll see and at halftime of your next nba blowout game just jump on and go, ah, Steph Curry more than 11 points in the second half. It'll change the game for you. Download the Prize Picks app and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy.
3: What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. The A's only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out or concerts. Game time app. Promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code.
2: John, weren't you telling me something about Tiger the other day? Like Tiger was saying when he was – or maybe I saw it on – maybe it was a Tiger doc that like uh, Tiger's golf swing, it wasn't about how – the heart. it was his dad always taught him like swing as hard as you
3: can while staying on balance. Were you telling me that, cough, Or maybe we were just talked yeah, about m- that. Yeah, maybe we talked about that. I, I probably saw the same video. And then like once he got – once he was young, it was all about swinging hard, swinging hard, swinging hard. And then once he got with Butch, Butch Harmon and kind of came to the tour – they honed it in so he could swing hard, but also under control, which I clearly baseball. I mean, once you get to the hell, even the minor leagues, right? The pitching, they just take advantage of you when you're swinging at your shoes. Right.
4: Uh, Absolutely. And I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is these guys are throwing now up into the upper upper nineties, low hundreds. So, I mean, if you're, if you're missing at all uh, you're out. So uh, I think the biggest thing is just, putting that barrel on the ball uh, because once I mean with a bigger guy, once you put the barrel on the ball, the ball is going to be hit hard, you know? So I, I I'm much more focus on squaring the ball up and hitting the ball hard than, than trying to swing as hard as I possibly can. And I think it's just something that comes with learning.
3: Is that is something that's probably pretty new to baseball. I guess this last decade, right? Is all these guys throwing so hard. I mean, for us, I, I, I never made it past little league. I couldn't hit for shit. I, I when I, but its like whenever you guys talk and just any guy in pro baseball, if you know a hundreds coming down the middle, you can handle that. It's when you don't know what pitch is coming and they throw hard it's easy to feel lost. Is that true?
4: No, absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest thing a hundred miles per hour does is is just speed you up and and really get you you know thinking a lot because if 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 you're a tick late or you're a tick off, you're like I said you're out so uh, and they have so many other good pitches if you miss that a hundred miles per hour down the plate you're going to get some disgusting curveball or change up that, I mean, even the best hitters in the world probably aren't going to hit, you know? So uh, it's more, don't miss your pitch. And uh, if you do, you're screwed.
2: Have you had a, I mean, what, what was it like at the, um, uh, at the alternate site? Like, are you facing some big leaguers there? What was, what was that experience like last year? That was in Sacramento?
4: Yeah. Sacramento. Uh, so it was a lot of the triple A, triple a arms who were really close to breaking into the big leagues. And then also like Jeff Samarja and Drew Smiley came down rehabbing. Um, but just such a good opportunity for learning and growth. Um, I, I, I held my own pretty well and, uh, learned a lot. I mean, like I said, I haven't, I hadn't played past a ball. So to be thrown into the fire like that, I think that's the best way for growth is to, uh, you know, face the best.
3: Do you know where you're going? Like, are you going to big league camp, assuming that the camp's open on time as they're planned? Is that the game plan?
4: Yeah. So, uh, I, I get tested on Thursday for the, you know, the first intake test. And then, uh, I believe our first workout Sunday. Uh, but after big league camp, I have absolutely no idea what, what's even to come for minor leagues. Um, so we'll see. Um, I'm just kind of playing it by ear and, trying to stay you know calm and control what i can control um and then go from there
2: is it still cool to put on a like a warm-up a dry fit with the giants logo on it
4: yeah i mean it's uh it's pretty special man it's it's, especially being from the bay and and seeing all those world series from you know years 10 to 14 it was it, it was pretty cool and then to get drafted by them was uh, man, I, I don't want to be on any other team for sure. Uh, it's, it's a perfect fit and I love the organization.
3: So what do you have to do? Like, what's the number one thing you're working on to eventually get to the big leagues? Is there something specific or is it just an overall kind of, uh, improvement of your game?
4: Yeah. I mean, I think this off season, I've really taken, um, a step to just, you know, work on my pitch recognition and, uh, you know, even cut down the strikeouts more. Try to walk a lot and taking some live at bats this off season has been big for me. And just trying to come into camp as ready as I can possibly be because I mean, uh, this is a this is a huge opportunity for a kid like me. Um, you know, if there was no coronavirus, who would have known I might have not even been been in big league camp? You know, um, so I'm just super excited for the opportunity, and I've been working really hard this off season to to get to this point where I'm at and feel as comfortable as I do. Um, you know, so I'm ready to go.
2: There are so many players in a system right now. Not everybody has the same priority within an organization, but what kind of feet, like do you get a lot of feedback organizationally. Um, here's, here's what we want. Here's how, here's where we want you to get this year. Here's what we think of your walk rate. Here's what we think of your pick pitch recognition. Uh, like do you get a lot of that type of feedback or is a lot of that stuff that you have to kind of self diagnose, or maybe a, you're being told that by a, a, you know, your rookie ball manager, or, uh, there's just, there's a lot of people involved. So what is just kind of the process of you finding out what it is that they expect of you?
4: Yeah. I mean, I think the giants do a great job of, of balancing uh, numbers versus, you know, performance and, and like mine and being mindful of, you know, sometimes numbers can overwhelm people. Uh, but I mean, the, the day we're living in or the game we're playing in today, whether anybody admits it or not, everything has to do with the numbers. So, um, you know, they, they have all of them. It just kind of depends if you want them or not. And I think for me, a big, a big thing is, you know, looking at the right numbers. Uh, I don't try to, I don't try to think too much about, you know, some of these analytics, but I, I, at the same time, you got to look at some of them because that's what, you know, a lot of these guys are, are getting their contracts, uh, looked at for. So, uh, for me, it, I, I look at the right ones, but I don't try to overwhelm myself with with some of these analytics because there's literally something for everything. So,
3: What are the ones you look at?
4: Uh, I mean, the biggest things I look at is like uh, barrel percentage, uh, walk to strikeout rate, um, but I mean, that's really where I'll cut it off. I mean, we have like these things that go on your bats that analyze everything about your swing and some people love them, some people don't. I, I, I'm more of a feel kind of hitter rather than looking at, at all these numbers that, you know, your barrel could present themselves at, but at the same time, it's good for, for knowing if your swings off or, you know, if you're going through a rough stretch and you put it on, it will tell you a lot of stuff. So, uh, for me, like I said, I'm more of a feel hitter, but it's there if you need it.
2: All right. What about, I accidentally showed this earlier, but what about the science of, uh, c- can we play one of your songs on the, we can't play it right now, but can we put us one of your songs in the podcast today?
4: Yeah. We yeah, need a sure. new song. Oh, it's coming out soon. Next month. What, tell us about this. So for people that don't
2: know you, I, I don't, I mean, I only know what I've seen on Instagram, Bish Music, but you make music.
4: Yes. My, so I've played piano pretty much my whole life. Uh, I've definitely gotten a lot better as I've gotten more into uh, production of music, but it's just, it's a really good hobby for me to have. Um, it kind of takes my mind off the game. As uh, A lot of guys like play video games, stuff like that. It's, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. I just, i'm actually in my studio right now so so, um yeah i spend a lot of my time here and keeps my mind uh focused and kind of active but it's it's a lot of fun
2: what kind of music yeah
4: uh i mean it's more like i'd say like it's in the pop genre or the i guess people call it edm but I'm not big on like the, the club EDM. I don't really make that. But if you've ever heard of an artist named Kaigo, that's like my idol. So I, I try to make stuff. Yeah, like.
3: Haberman's go-to. Oh
4: yeah, that's my guy I, right there. You know, I've
3: started, I will say this about
2: EDM. I don't listen to a lot. I will say this. I've. It's good, like, if I need to get some work done, it's good to just put it on. I'll just listen, right? Because I don't really know. It's not like, I don't know the words. I'm not getting distracted by the songs or not that there's that many words necessarily. I don't really know what I'm listening to, right? So, but can you explain to two people who don't understand EDM, like what exactly it is that we're listening to? Like, what are we, we're looking at, you're creating some of the piano beat and then you're putting in whatever else. The beat drop is really the only thing that I know about. Yeah. Well, I mean, people, I
4: think the biggest misconception is people kind of take it for granted because all of it's coming from the computer pretty much. All of it's electronic, but um, I mean some of some like guys like Kygo, they're, they're insane musicians who are then able to transfer it into a computer to make it sound professional. Like one thing is getting it in the computer. And then another thing is making it sound good. Cause there's a lot of these out there who are terrible, you know? So, um, it, it, it took me a long time to learn and I'm still, I mean, not even close, but, uh, it, it's, it's all a learning process. It's pretty much the same thing as anything else. You know, you gotta put the time in and, and then see your results. Um, but, I mean, definitely it's a, it's a growth process like anything else, but it, it's much harder than people expect it to be.
3: We had a, I, I had a controversial take on the weekend being uh whether how good he was or wasn't, he's probably more like you, you grew up listening to the weekend, right? Is the weekend pretty big hit in, in the circles of your friends? What do you think? I mean, is the weekend, is, is he computer made or is he elite talent?
4: Well, I mean, I haven't heard him live or anything like that, but I mean, from what I've seen, the numbers he does, yeah, I think he's pretty talented, but I, I'm I don't really I don't really know how good he is live. But from what I've heard, he's he's an unbelievable talent. You said John said he was. What, did you say he was better or worse than Bruno Mars?
3: Well, I said that he's like a cooler version of Bruno Mars. And then I kind of took it back. Maybe Bruno might be a little more talented. They're different, you know. They're just they're different. I, I do feel weekends a little bit like computer auto tuned. But he, you know, I, I watch some stuff on YouTube of him acoustic. Like clearly, he can fucking sing. But like you watch his stuff, it is very computer generated. You know, and it's hard to tell sometimes. Like if I'm watching, a dude just are saying computer generated doesn't mean you're not talented. Well, no. But if I'm just, if you're just making the beats, if you're like a DJ or whatever, like that is your skill. Like it's impressive. But if you're singing behind it and auto tune and stuff, you can be you can sound better than you actually are. You know. Be like a baseball hitter on steroids, you know. I mean, you're, you're stronger, right? I mean, that's what the computer is for a singer.
4: Yeah, I mean, no, that's definitely that's definitely a thing in this generation. I don't really, like I said, I don't really know much about what the weekend does and what he doesn't do. But I mean, shoot, anybody doing those numbers? Oh, I, streaming I, numbers, are stupid, even, yeah. Even, yeah, even if he is on team, I, I, I guess he's doing great, right?
2: <laughs> how about Dre, how about Dr. Dre's beats? Where do you where do you fall on Dre beats?
4: Uh, I love Doctor Dre. I love I love old school hip hop and rap. That's that's probably my favorite genre of music. So I love that kind of stuff.
3: What uh, what's, what's your this walkout song? song? Yeah, this, see, this is
4: it's uh, it's actually I, I was thinking about that this year. I I don't know. I might. Uh, i might do make it rain by uh i think uh, Birdman. i don't know i don't even know the time oh, but.
2: <laughs> that's pretty that's solid that's
4: yeah i like that see, yeah try to make it rain you know make some homers rain you had to make sure i mean uh,
3: crawford went with andre nicotina forever
4: yeah no doubt you can't you can't
2: now the bringer rain doesn't use that song you should
4: no but i I love the bringer rain. that guy's one of my favorite players
3: If you met him, he's my favorite player by far.
4: Um, I met him once when he played for Oakland. Uh no, he played for Toronto when I think he had just won the uh the MVP. That that when I was like in high school, that was that was my like baseball idol. I loved his swing and you know, he was just on the come up, so I loved it.
2: He's a big football fan. John, you remember you and I talked to him about Auburn football for he's a huge is Auburn in
4: Georgia? Yeah. Auburn. Auburn. I think he went to Auburn, yeah. yeah. Auburn, yeah. He's a huge football fan.
3: He turned his career around a little bit with like that foot load up. You know, he kind of does the step and just hits fucking bombs. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
4: yeah, just awesome. and hey, just attitude sweet. and everything. I just love it. Yeah.
3: So you
2: are. Has anyone ever walked out to their own song? You think in Major League Baseball?
4: Uh, I I don't know. Maybe one of these like dudes trying to be a rapper or something like that. I don't I don't really know. But maybe maybe if one of these songs pops off, I'll, I'll do it.
2: You have a song out, do you have a song out right now? Like, can people go listen to something? Yeah, On YouTube?
4: You On Spotify, YouTube, everything.
2: Bish Music, B-I-S-H, Bish Music, yes, right? Sir. Bish
3: music. Are, are you Bish Music. Are you single? I'm single, yes. When you introduce yourself and you're out and about, cause there is, you know, you could just, you drop like, I play for the Giants, cause that does insinuate like you're a big leaguer or you just say pro ball, like how does that conversation work, you know? <laughs>
4: Well, uh, I mean, I think when I first got drafted, maybe that was like my pickup line, but you know, now I, I don't really like people knowing what I do for a living because then they might get like a, a, a misconception of me as a human being. So I think now I just try to play it off. Like I'm, I'm just some random dude on the street. Uh, but M- musician. Yeah. So, so you, so yeah, so yeah, honestly, DJ. Yeah.
2: Cause you, you have to somehow avoid getting like immediately Googled, right?
4: absolutely sometimes don't even tell them the name you know just pretend you got a different name what name do you give (laughs) i just say i'm bish bish music look me
3: up i'm an entrepreneur and
4: then then if they want to do their research they can go they if they really want to do their research they can go look but uh i just try to keep it at i'm hunter that's it yeah you're
3: creative well playing i mean Choosing college football, or I mean, going college baseball over college football clearly has worked out. I would also imagine, I know your brother went to Washington, probably some babes up there, but Arizona State, probably in a completely different level of just the party slash, you know, lady scene. Is, is that a fair statement?
4: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I can't speak for any other college because I didn't go there, but Arizona definitely has some very beautiful women. Any follow-up? Scott to- sales,
3: no joke yeah I, no, mean, just, I mean it's just i mean it's just a great it's just a great place but it's just a vibrant just good-looking people you know <laughs> i mean
4: yes i mean there, arizona guy or girl has some very beautiful people uh i'm gonna yeah. leave it at that so i don't get myself in any kind of trouble but <laughs> we have very very beautiful people yes
2: no follow-up sean you good there tan <laughs>
0: That's all
3: I, yeah i don't, don't want <laughs> <go ahead laughs> to
2: go ahead a tan booth after we do this after this interview's done <laughs> As pale as ever. Well, hey man, it's awesome to talk to you. It's great to see you. Into uh, the into the quarantine in a couple days, and then uh, spring training, whatever that means. Well, good luck, brother. It's great to talk to you.
4: Yeah, I thanks, it. bro. Trying, Appreciate man. it. Yes, sir. See you guys.
2: All right, John. There was Hunter Bishop. You tried repeatedly to uh, get him to talk about uh, women in bikinis, and uh, he he laid, he laid off of those curveballs at
3: his knee in the dirt. I just I can't imagine being a guy at ASU, a star player, Scott Boris. I mean, he's probably good-looking dude, athlete. You know, good, good uh, low body fat percentage. You know, probably well well in the area.
2: Right, fantastic jawline. Right,
3: yeah. I mean, good
2: golf swing. He's, not wearing, a, he's not wearing He's not wearing baggy. Yeah, baggy polo shirts. That's for sure.
3: Someone told me that baggy jeans are coming back. Really? Yeah. It's bad I news. Yeah, very bad news. But you know, you know, uh, fashion is just—it's up and down, It's like a revolving circle, right? Mm-hmm. So it, eventually, it's what are you gonna do when everyone's wearing baggy? Are you gonna buy baggy? Or are you just gonna no, go a I, slimmer?
2: I think that's why every like growing up, you always looked at like thirty-five year olds and like forty-year-olds, like my dad, like God, why their
3: their shorts are short and their pants are tight? Yeah. And uh, here we are. I heard Kevin Hart. I was driving around within the last like month. He went on Howard Stern, and he said, "Howard, if you notice, any human being in the peak of their fame, whether it's comedian, an actor, an athlete, a businessman, whatever, whatever their peak was when they were the most famous, you notice like twenty years goes by and they're still dressing like they did at their peak, because that's when they're in their peak. Like Prince dressed like Prince dressed like it was 1985." Right and whoever I think you see this a lot like with actors, right? They're just still acting like it's 1993. Definitely musicians, I think. uh, Yeah, there'll be a time and place where these guys that got famous in the last decade, when it's 2035, will be dressing like it was 2014. I was like, I've never thought about it like that, but that is kind of
4: true.
2: You don't think you don't think Birdman is is uh, dressing differently these days?
3: Uh, No, I I just love that. uh, I mean, a lot of the rappers, I'd say from the 90s and 2000s, maybe like the sophisticated ones, like Dr. Dre or whatever, but he was always wearing a suit. Like they do still kind of look like, you know, they were. His Kevin Hart's example was look at Allen Iverson. It's like, Allen, you're like like 50 years old. He's like, he's still wearing baggy ass jeans. It's like, Allen, it's 2020, man. That was one of his examples. I guess he got out out of the league
2: before the league really changed, right? Yeah, big time.
3: But he would not have changed with it, I don't think. Yeah, that's interesting.
2: I wonder uh, having a stylist or not having a stylist probably is a big factor too, right?
3: Yeah, there are probably elements to it. But I, I if you think think don't get you a style,
2: if your 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 height ends, you don't keep a stylist the whole time. You just got this wardrobe of really expensive clothes from the last.
3: You few are kind of known if you're an actor or an act like for those outfits, right? Right. Yeah, Nelly just walking around in
2: sleeveless vocal.
3: Yeah, still, uh, I follow uh, Miss Jackson, his uh, girlfriend on uh, Instagram. He still, looks, Is that her looks in the Doritos commercial with him? I think Have so,
2: you seen yeah. Nelly's got a Doritos commercial? I, I have not. Nelly's got a Doritos commercial.
3: Nelly was a shit.
2: Yeah. Yes, he was. So, All right, John, I mean, we're looking forward to Hunter Bishop playing some baseball. We'll be following the stat lines, John. The box scores, I'll be checking the newspaper every morning. See how our guy, Hunter. He's now our guy. He's part of Ham Team Elite our uh, aau club of uh, guests and uh we'll keep an eye on them everybody keep an eye on hunter bishop all right mailbag time here we go here's it's again it's simple john you go to itunes you leave us a review even if you listen somewhere else i leave us the itunes review so we can get the question in there five stars yeah do it all right here we go uh mailbag questions first up this is from mulligan 1992 love the show 49ers, uh, could the 49ers potentially fleece the Bears again by driving up the price and interest in Wentz and making the Bears overpay for him when the Niners have no interest in considering him? This Bear fan hopes not, but Ryan Pace seems destined to make another move that surrenders a lot of draft capital. First of all, can I ask before we address that question, does Ryan Pace deserve this rep? I was listening, uh, I know you listened to the Justin Herbert interview. On Pardon my Take, they were talking about Ryan Pace, like he's going to give JJ Watt a $150 million contract. Ryan Pace just has this rep of like, he'll just whatever anybody else is going to do, he will do it times two. It's not fair.
3: You know what's crazy is since they've had Nagy, they've been pretty successful. Like they they don't have a losing record, and he gets talked about kind of like he's the Freddie Kitchens of GMs. I think part of it is just you don't shake when you miss on a quarterback. I think you know when you do like he traded up from three to two to get Trubisky within you know within the next ten picks Mahomes and Watson go it's hard to shake that yeah like to me he's not I would imagine I don't follow like Bears talk and Bears radio and I I think that it's just he is known for taking Trubisky and believing in Trubisky more than those two guys when they he went all in on a quarterback because other than that like he's made like getting Khalil Mack. D- drafting signing Danny Trevathan, drafting Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson, uh Tariq Cohen, uh, Took David on the Montgomery, money. the guy now. Yeah, I mean, they just I actually well, think I'll, their team's okay. Yeah. Why just why do the Niners care what the Bears pay for? Well, this is just a Bears
2: fan who's concerned that other teams are gonna drive up the cost on the Bears. Uh you see
3: Albert Breer wrote today or tweeted today that he thought they were in the, the leader in the clubhouse. The Bears are the leader in the clubhouse? Yeah, to get Carson. Like, he thinks that he's going to end up a bear. Okay.
2: Um, It's interesting, but, like, I always... When it comes to trades, like, you can be the leader in the clubhouse and then 10 hours later you get traded. Are they going to be the leader in the clubhouse for
3: another week? Then I don't buy it. Well, I think I saw something else today that it's probably going to happen over the next 48 hours. Like, it's not going to... This isn't going to string out for another month. You know, I think they're kind of at where they're at. They know the price. Like, there's not always, like... We're holding out hope for three twos now. Like It kind of is what it is. The the price, you have the best offers. Maybe you do one more round of calls. Like, this is it. Your final bid, (laughs) right? Do you think the Bears are going to end up trading a one? I feel like they are. I think they don't. I think they go two twos. I would imagine that the Colts have gone like this. The Bears are desperate. They got to have this guy. And I actually think it's, if you're going to make a desperate swing, getting Carson Wentz is a pretty good desperate swing, right? Because there is a high upside with the player. To me, the Colts, you spent all these years building the team. Like, do you want to risk it all for this guy? Like the bears are, they they have to try to win and get a quarterback now to shake the pace and the naggy with the Trubisky thing. The Colts, it's like, just stay patient. Like I, it'll present itself where you feel more comfortable paying. Like if you don't feel comfortable paying for this, I wouldn't even fuck with it because you can, you could just sign Jameis for 10 million and probably make the playoffs. Like you have other options to not ruin multiple picks. Your GM's too good at making picks for a guy that might not be good. I, I don't think you can risk it on Carson Wentz if you're the Colts.
2: I think we talked about this a little bit on the last pod, and and uh I would I'll say it again this way. The Colts are desperate for a quarterback. Like this team needs a quarterback. The Bears organization is desperate in terms of like it's time for them to they've been trying to find and trying to find. The Colts are in a much less desperate situation. I think you put it perfectly. Uh, to me, Sam, they, they are
3: lower cost, makes more sense. You could get out of it faster. You don't They're, pay as much money. Yeah, their team is also well set
2: up to not need, like, you could maybe, again, we've talked about Mariota a lot. Maybe Mariota's good enough for you guys to be a, make a playoff run, right? I think he would be. All right, Mulligan1992. Thank you. Uh, next up, John, this is from Isaac86. Do you think there will ever come a time when numbers aren't behind names? Like
3: my <laughs> my instant messenger was habe 28 well, I don't know why emails, I picked 28. J middle 75. I mean it just I think a lot of people just did numbers. Just somebody else has your name so you got to add a number to it. Do you a lot of your like go-to passwords have numbers? Well, that's required, right? Yeah, that's true. On a lot of places.
2: Uh you guys have great takes. Thank you, Isaac. Question for the mailbag. If Wentz... See, there's a lot of Wentz here. If Wentz is a problem in Philly and the Eagles are willing to trade him, why didn't they just keep Peterson? Peterson seems like a coach that could help the team get back on track, but now they're in full rebuild mode. Are the Eagles so bad that they have to blow it all up and start over? Fair question, right? You two guys hate each other. You get rid of both
5: of them?
3: Yeah. I think Jeffrey Lurie alluded to this when he fired Doug. He's like, you know, does he deserve to get fired? Probably not. Right. He he said that he said that. And one of his points was, I think looking back is Doug being a coach, you're kind of living in the moment and we need to reset the franchise. So they were going to blow it up. And it's not fair to have Doug who is not like cool with being a coach of a two win team. Like you saw last year, it felt like fuck. He was ready to jump off a bridge and they were right in the playoff mix with like four wins into December. So I think they hired this guy, Sirianni, who worst, worst press conference since Tom Sula. But I what he's, I think he understands that like getting destroyed on the the Eagles are going to suck, but they're going to blow it up, and I think they wanted a coach that they could blow it up with and ultimately fire like they. they Doug didn't necessarily get fired because of Wentz slash performance. I think it was just overall they were going in a different direction and they were almost like letting him out to potentially become a head coach again maybe. Yeah, I mean, look, I I don't think it may – when somebody on the inside decides
2: something, they usually have more information than those of us on the outside. If they had come out and said, look – and I know it's hard because you can't say it, but let's put it this way. If their reason on the inside is we think we got the best out of Doug Peterson, we don't actually – he won a Super Bowl – but we don't really think he can rebuild and be the coach of another Super Bowl team. We think they we captured lightning in a bottle, but after a few years with him, we don't actually think he's a Super Bowl-level coach. That is not allowed to be said. No, it's not allowed to be said. <laughs> but if that's what they think, even if I disagree with it, if that's what they think, then it makes sense to me. Like I know from the outside it looks crazy, but we think we actually kind of got lucky on that Super Bowl. We don't think he's good enough if that's what they think, it makes sense. If they think he is a Super Bowl level, a playoff level coach, and it's just, well, we don't want to put him through the rebuild or he doesn't want to be here. It's too much stress for the rebuild. That would make no sense to me. I mean, being an NFL head coach with a Super Bowl ring, you get, if you've won a ring for a a team, you get a lot of time. Like, you get a lot of leeway for a rebuild. So that's where it's weird to me. Is like, did they just decide they don't like him anymore? And they might have. And that's okay. That's, that's fine if that's what your decision is. But
3: does feel though the new guy might be a little over his head. If you're Doug Peterson watching this, you're like, oh, I, you guys are going to make me look good. Yeah.
2: Next up for the mailbag Elite Pod. This is from Stephen R.E. Been a ham consumer since terrestrial radio. Uh, as a woodland kid, Woodland, oh, home, Dustin home Pedroia, of right? Dustin Pedroia, not far from where we grew up in Davis. As a woodland kid living in NYC, Ham Pod delivers the base sports talk I crave. Wondering if you guys think Kyle likes Trey Lance. Kyle Shanahan likes Trey Lance. And what are the chances he's still there at 12? Bonus, are we all sleeping on Kyle loving Josh Rosen? Also, guys, there is no convo within the industry. The weekend is seen like a Jeff Fisher type, and Bruno Mars is Bill B. A lot lot going on there. What's Bill B? Bill Belichick. He's saying Bruno Mars is Bill Belichick. The weekend spelled correctly, only two E's, is Jeff Fisher. Wow. That
3: seems harsh. That does seem harsh. Jeff Fisher did lead a team to Super Bowl. Remember one yard yeah. tackle? Yeah, I, I do remember Lorenzo that. Lorenzo was on that squad. Neil. Um, okay, so what do you think here? Uh, first things first.
2: Do you think, uh, what are the chances Kyle likes Trey Lance and he's still there at 12? I would say that he's there at
3: 12, very, extremely low. Yeah, I would say it's a pretty big unknown right now because, like, could the Eagles draft a quarterback? Are the Falcons going to draft a quarterback? Because the Lions probably aren't, but could they? Like there are a lot of wild cards in the single digits. Are the Panthers going to? Could all these teams pass? I I don't know. Do the Niners have to trade up to get the guy? Does everyone like Trey Lance or no? I I think there's a lot of unknowns on all, on Trey Lance. Like I I think Justin Fields is going to be viewed as a guy that cocky coaches, and I mean that in a good way. Like a, the way Sean Payton feels, the way Andy felt about Mahomes, the way Bill O'Brien felt about Deshaun. Like fuck, go get me that guy. I'll figure out to win with him. The other people don't want him. I'll get him. Yeah. Because Justin Fields is going to have some of the purest like people living in the moment. Like, he's not good enough. He doesn't see the reads. He's overthrows guys. That's not... The cocky guys don't see that. Like, I'll, I'll coach him up. I'll get him to understand that stuff. Right? Yeah. And I'm, when I say cocky, I just mean coaches that believe in, like, I can harness the talent that the kid has. But the, the, the Bills did that with Josh Allen. Trey is, like, kind of be a combination of some of that. Some of, like, he was really good, but he only played one year. Smaller school, I mean, really small school, right? Relative to even like we nitpick BYU didn't play anybody that relative to North Dakota State, that's a pretty big uh, separation. Yeah, yeah. I part, you know.
2: Sometimes I wonder, are are people going to be afraid of missing on Mahomes again? And as like a general conversation, you could say, yeah, but I have a hard time seeing a GM sitting down going, I like this guy more than I like Trey Lance, but I'm going to draft Trey Lance out of the fear that I'm missing on Patrick Mahomes, Um, just because physically he has so many, his talent is just incredible, right? Um, So I don't think that actually translates to somebody drafting Trey Lance, like out of fear that he's something that they don't see. So, the question is, will multiple teams see it in him? And the other question is, like, does Zach Wilson just go two? Or does or, or, Justin Fields go five? Are three quarterbacks off the board by the time you get to five? If so, have a hard time seeing Trey Lance last till 12.
3: I think sometimes you think that we did once upon a time with the Baker, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, and even Rosen, and they were all kind of spread out through the top 10. Yeah. You know, I think it's easy to be like, oh, they're all going to go one, two, and four. And then this, that's not sometimes the way it happens. That's what I'm saying right now in the middle of February. I mean, this is not great. Like, talk radio, take a stance. I I, I think a lot of these teams, like, are, I would I bet the Jets right now are doing a full-on in-depth study of, like, McDaniel, or I mean LaFleur. Take take Sam Darnold, watch every snap he's played in the pros. Hell, even watch maybe senior year, or, you know, is that last year in college. Then put him up, we won't waste time on Tra, uh, Trevor Lawrence but the other three guys, or include Mac Jones. Like, where are we, right? Right. And that's what, like, Atlanta, Detroit, like, that's to me what you have to be doing right now to, like, kind of gauging it. And I think all these teams are working through it, including, like, the Niners. Like, if Kyle Shanahan is not, or hasn't, or is not taking part these months before free agency and these potential trades of doing a deep-dive ranking of these guys, then they're not doing their job right. Like, that is much more important... For Kyle Shanahan right now to be locked into that than like ranking the free agent guards. Right, right. Especially because
2: part of the conversation is not will they be there at twelve, but do we like one of these guys enough that we can trade up for them? Should we it, consider that?
3: Yeah, because if I can trade up to six or whatever, even if I got a part with a nut future one, if we believe in this guy and you think he can be our franchise quarterback, it pencils tenfold, right? Yep. yep.
2: Uh, are we sleeping on Kyle Loving, Josh Rosen? I don't think we're sne- sleeping on it. Do you think no, we're sleeping think so. on it?
3: No. Yeah, I'm not I'm not expecting much out of that. Um, I do think Josh would have a decent chance to be a backup. Though. Yeah,
2: I mean, but we didn't get to see. It's, it's going to take time. I don't think you can go into the year. This idea, you know, does he like him? He clearly likes him. He's on the team.
3: Would he you, thinks maybe there's
2: something there, but you're not going to make him the starter.
3: I was flipping channels the, the other day, the and they had like... Uh, Maybe it was on Fox Sports or NFL Network, like, Turning Point. It's like an hour of the guys mic'd up in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And Brady and Gabbard and clearly, like, this third string, you know, practice squad level guy. Like, that was Josh Rosen. Like, Josh Rosen would have been a Super Bowl champion as a practice squad guy with Brady, though. And been taking those pictures. And ultimately, Helping him off the, the boat. Th- he made a—I think he got a couple, you know, 53-man— uh those last two games, right? He got 53 man minimum salary, like 600,000 salary, which he wouldn't have got there. But in terms of Super Bowl bonuses for practice squad guys, and ultimately the, the Bucks would have re signed him to be on the offseason roster anyway. And he's not guaranteed to make the roster for the Niners. Do you think he regrets that move? Was it his That's crossed his mind. Yeah, you can turn it down. So he turned down. Because the Niners are basically offering you. We're gonna give you fifty-three man while the season's still going on, but then I gotta control your rights in the off season, right? That he signs the same contract in the off season with the Niners as he would have with the Bucs. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, but he I got mean, to like you know he probably made. I'm just gonna guesstimate sixty-five thousand dollars. I right? think
2: if you're him, it's probably not even the money. I think it's more so like he's been he's bounced around so much. He right? made he made money being he's, the tenth pick. But I, yeah, I. I think if you're him, if somebody wants you more than the place you are, like uh, if I'm Josh Rosen, the place I want to be is the place I most wanted. Just given how inconsistent he, he just hasn't been able to. But
3: well, you do put. agree, like I mean, it, it's it'd be a rare time in this career that feels like he's holding on for dear life that they want him too. Like Arians is there, if Brady likes him, you got a pretty good chance to win the Super Bowl. But then when they actually win the Super Bowl, and you just realize, fuck, that could have been me standing next to all these yeah. guys. Maybe he didn't, maybe Brady really didn't like him. I,
2: uh, yeah, maybe. I, I just think if you're him, I don't
3: blame him for his primary thing being. Who, who, if I think the Niners want me more. The majority of players that late in the season, like the non-playoff team, they offer you to get your rights, to move you over, say yes. Because, but. Also, there was a chance he might end up on the field. Remember, it
4: kind yeah, of felt like.
2: Yeah, at the that's end of a that big year.
4: part of it. Yeah.
2: All right, next up, mailbag question from Mikey B 209 a long-time listener. Love the podcast. Finally decided to ask you guys a question. With Deshaun Watson under contract and no first-round picks this year, could you see the Texans holding on to Deshaun and letting him sit out if he refuses to rejoin them in a spot and draft in the top five the next year, moving off from Deshaun when they have a QB in mind with next year's draft and then trading Deshaun for skill players draft picks that fit their QB skill set? In other words, they don't need to trade him this offseason if they don't get what they're asking for. So could the Texans go full hardball and just make Deshaun sit out the season and be bad and get another good draft pick next year and
3: on you go. That'd be pretty crazy, wouldn't it?
2: Yeah, especially if the Dolphins would give you two ones this year. Because what I mean, you're going to, even if you tank, quote unquote, it's just hard to get a better pick than the third pick, right? Yeah. So you make him sit the year so you can have a good pick next year. But what if you could just get the – Now, maybe his point is like, well, what if the Dolphins aren't offering that pick?
3: Because well, some people DM me like, what are the, what's the quarterback class like for 2022? And I'm like, oh, it's a lot of college football. I don't, it, clearly, it doesn't feel as hyped. Like this year coming in, Lawrence was a leader. But Fields was out there. Trey Lance was a name we were all keeping an eye on. Like I, it definitely does not feel like there is this huge like – that's not the way it plays out typically, right? Once games get played and guys establish themselves, but there are not multiple top five picks right now. The, the buzz in this class, I would say.
2: No, I mean, I, I remember Greg McElroy said this year on a USC game that he thought Keaton Slovis was going to be a first rounder, which kind of surprised me.
3: Um, I guess this guy Sam Howell out of North Carolina gets some attention. Yeah, he's hyped up. I mean, the kid at Clemson's only a sophomore, so he's not even eligible, right? DJ, Ouyang yeah. Mac Jones going pro uh, LSU doesn't have a quarterback Florida lost his quarterback, Ohio State, Ohio State lost his quarterback
2: guy coming in as a sophomore. I think he registered last year, so he won't be coming out for another year. I forget his Never name. Never have it's to like- worry
3: about Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess they could,
2: if they don't, if they don't get a good offer, could they just, part of it's he's, not about the offer. He's part, not going to give up $30 million. Are they dead set on, on not trading him? then this become like to me it's more about that do they really want him to be their quarterback which they should want him to be their quarterback yeah so are they willing to just not trade him at all even if that means week
3: 1 he's not there to me he's been and i've been told this and clearly it's public he is adamant it's over well th- th- there comes point point in times like he cannot show up to OTAs like there's a balance of like you just got to be a bad guy then no training camp like it's You do have to go a little bit Antonio Brown, right? James Harden to really force their hand. I mean, James Harden, where it worked is the Rockets did not want to get rid of James Harden, right? The the Texans do not want to get rid of Deshaun Watson, but you can just make it like I'm not. Now, James, he's making so much fucking money. He had to show up. He just didn't try. Deshaun, you can't show up, right? In the NFL, showing up is not smart. In the NBA, you can it's something it actually helps, right? To show up, don't even try. Just right. throw balls like to the f- front row. In football, the moment you show up, they'll just you'll run plays. And because of the nature of the sport, what are you gonna do? Like run into a defensive lineman, right? You're gonna you're just gonna play. Right. It's I, the shittiest sport to like be in no man's you just have to do what Jalen Ramsey, what Khalil, you gotta draw a big line in the sand. Jamal did it. It feels like right now the Easier for position players, probably, than a quarterback because your quarterback you're viewed as like the guy kind of carrying the franchise. Yeah, sometimes
2: though, like if the Texans are kind of rebuilding, there's not as much pressure on them if he's not there week one to, you know, like Emmett Smith holds out. Well, the Cowboys need Emmett Smith, so they're going to,
3: yeah. The Texans actually are in a position where they can just. But it just does, wait. it also, the, my issue with Khalil Mack, with Jamal Adams. It's awful business if you're going to ultimately capitulate and trade the player. Great word. You do, great, it before, you, great word. You, you do it before the draft. Capitulate. You do it before the draft, so you you get to realize a draft pick. Yeah. Like to me, if they're going to trade him, you don't do it August thirtieth. To me, you do it. No, but I, I, over but I, the next month. This goes back to like okay. they are
2: adamant that like maybe internally they think we'll just we are not going to trade him. And he'll eventually show up. And it's That's gonna where gonna he might need to make
3: companies. it ugly. He might need to make it ugly right now. Then. Right, Harden, go Harden. With, like Cena, and just start shitting on everybody. Yeah. Just offend them to the point where they want you gone. Well, you just sit down with Jeff Darlington at your house and just start talking a lot of shit about Easterby. Yeah. Like you got to go to the root of the problem. And the, Eastern and Bee's the in owner control. Yeah. But the, to me, the owner, I, I, I think you go to Easterby clearly as the guy pulling the strings, you just, you just call out his servant leadership you call out his relationship with God. I mean, you, you go, you po- you really want to get someone to piss them off? You go after what, in theory, they care about the most, and you talk shit about it, and you call them fraud about it. He'll get traded the next day.
2: Yeah, I mean, unless the owner decides, okay, I'll, I'll get ready. Like, to me, part of the reason you got to talk about the owner is because ultimately the owner is Easterby's boss, right? The
3: owner has to be mad enough to say, guys, I don't care what you're doing, you get this guy out of here. But I think the one thing you've seen in Houston... And I think it's a there are parallels like this with the Raiders. Is the owner just like you guys do it? Like he let Billy O do it all. He let Gruden do it all. Like to me, like in organizations like that, like with the Patriots, you after Kraft, you're fucked, right? You talk shit about the Rooney, you're going to get cut. I don't like you talk shit about Mark Davis. If like Gruden likes you, I don't think you get cut necessarily. I don't know. Not if you're a good player. Next up,
2: ten god thirteen, sham god. Uh, wasn't McVeigh the guy who we thought was going to start the trend of drafting a QB to replace your three, four-year starter who never won you a ring? Then they signed their guy, Goff. Then they end up trading him for another expensive QB. Can you ever seen the league going into a mode of drafting a QB every one or two years, keep playing your cheapest option until you find a top five talent guy? Uh, I would love to hear your opinion on the future of the league in regards to how teams view QBs. Hashtag bear down. Maybe this is a fish here.
3: So, I, what was there? Remind me. I, I don't know. I a think thought sometimes they, like an article gets written by like one of the analytic guys. Sounds vaguely familiar, actually. And they and they kind of, uh, they latch uh, onto like a horse that they think could get behind their kind of crazy idea. It feels like a Bill Barnwell. Like, maybe McVay's young enough and progressive enough to do it. No, actually, he just wants to get sweet players as fast as possible. Like most coaches. Uh, yeah, I mean, it... It sounds vaguely familiar, like an article an analytic crew would write. And it's something that, yes, it's great in conversation. Never is going to happen. It's too hard. Remember the... It's too hard to... That's the thing. It's too hard to find average guys. Well, remember there was a push. Push would be strong. But I think a lot of people advocated in the media uh, that the Browns, when they that had the one and the four, take two quarterbacks. Like, take Baker and take Josh Allen and just see what happens. Let the cream rise. Right, yep. like that doesn't make like in theory in a vacuum in the number vacuum it's like yeah well those two individuals have to sit next to each other every day in the meetings they have to go to practice and they're both one of them supposed to be our starter and like lead the group well they're both fighting over it the human dynamic element of it all is a disaster and the first and fourth pick make a shitload of money so we're paying these two guys one of these guys is not going to play like you look back at least they had conviction they picked the player and the other guy Denzel Ward like they picked their starting corner like right. that that was smarter business than just taking Josh Allen or Baker Mayfield cuz whoever's not playing the moment the guy gets beat out by the other his value diminishes from the fourth pick
2: right and the other thing i would say is like if i'm the owner of a team i go wait a second guys i'm paying you all this money to make that to make that call before you get them both on the roster this is what scouting is yeah once we've got them on the team anybody can figure out who the better player is i now we're wasting picks. This is not a valuable use of picks, is to basically say it's a 50 50 shot anyway. So screw it. Let's, we'll, we'll waste, you know, who didn't waste picks? It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a 50 50. Sh- now it is a 50 50 shot, but it's when you hit on a bunch of them in a row that it really, like the Bucks just nailed their first. We've talked about it a lot. They've just been nailing picks for like three, four years. <laughs> God nailing damn. picks. Okay. Yeah. That's what it takes. So you can't just approach it with like, ah, it's 50 50 anyway. Let's, Let's use two picks on one position when it's that position.
3: Well, that that's I had a buddy in the NFL text me like a couple weeks ago. They like called out something I tweeted. He's like, bro, you're better in that. I'm like, bro, I'm just throwing it out for fans. I don't even care. He's like, and then we got into this conversation, and you and I have talked about this with the Tua Herbert situation. We can talk all day long about playing Monday morning quarterback or 16-game season, the you know, the hindsight's 2020, and be like, they, you know, obviously if they could do that one over. They are paid to get that right. Right. They are not paid to like... What's their mock draft saying? No, they are paid to rank the players who's going to be the better pro. So they had two above Herbert, and even the Chargers, who got lucky probably because they had two above Herbert too. That's their bad. Like that is their job. This is not one of those, you know, I like like burgers, pizza, and Chinese food. Well, their job in a draft is like, you have to pick one. What's your favorite song? Oh, I have so many. Where co- I think college football, right? If you're Saban or LSU, you can be, yeah, we'll take two of the sweet quarterbacks and let the that, that's possible. Yeah. In
0: the NFL,
3: like you just get the one pick around, and when you're drafting really high and you are going to take a quarterback, I don't want to hear all this. Like, no, the, like the Miami Dolphins today, they got it fucking wrong, and that's well, everyone agreed with them. Who gives a shit? Because you know they
2: were wrong. It, yeah, it doesn't mean they're terrible and are just the worst no. and can't do it. It's just when we evaluate who got the better quarterback. Who made the right pick and who made the wrong pick? They made the wrong pick. And
3: when you say, and this is going to come in this draft. It's what it looks like right now. Maneuvering for different quarterbacks. and If the Niners trade up, it is their job to pick the right guy. Right? All these teams. So, like, yeah. when they do it, it devastates the franchise. It really does. I mean, it, it sets you back years when you... If Watson or Mahomes had been the equivalent of, like, Rosen, like they had just been bad... That would have been crippling to the to the Texans. I, Texans are a disaster. They still have the ability to trade a guy potentially for like three ones and two twos, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like. And if they nail that pick, guess what? They're back. Yeah. I mean, their
2: organization, you know, they might not be able to figure it out, but the second it looks like their guy is Herbert, okay, here we go. It was that's hard though. Uh this is from Blake Clark, 0707. Mailbag, blah, 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 blah. Love the pod. Blah, blah, blah. JK, really do love the pod. Uh, Question, the last 10 quarters of Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, in Super Bowls in which he's won, his defense is not allowed a TD. This actually, I hadn't thought about this. So the last 10 quarters in Super Bowls that Brady's won, his defense hasn't allowed a touchdown. Fourth quarter and OT of the Falcon Super Bowl, no TDs allowed to the Rams and no TDs allowed to the Chiefs. Are we sure Brady's defenses are not winning him these Super Bowls or is Brady winning these? Thanks, promo code HAM, Blake. This is first what? of all a great nugget there, Blake.
3: That is that is a fantastic nugget. It is a team game, right? Brady doesn't win any Super Bowls by himself. Like even the Super Bowls that he won any, like Peyton Manning Super Bowl. Like didn't remember uh Rhodes, the running back, it was like the should have been the uh the MVP of the game. Like a Super Bowl like Joe Montana's not throwing five touchdowns in every Super Bowl. It, it Like, part of winning in football, yeah, you need to run the ball well. You need a good defense. You need a good kicking game. Like, it's – you don't just – there's a reason, like, the Raiders didn't make the playoffs, right? Their defense sucked. Well, you know, we never talk this way. I
2: shouldn't say we never. We do. But, like, look at what it took for the Warriors to win championships. They had to combine Steph Curry and then Clay Thompson – Who's a really good defender and a, one of the all-time great shooters, and they also had to get Draymond Green, who's like an elite defender and a great passer. They but but that wasn't even enough. They also had to have Andre Iguodala, who could guard LeBron James, and then they they all, then they added Kevin Durant. Like it is, and I said it the other day when we were talking about the Ravens. Guy, their backup
3: their backup point guard, Sean Livingston, six eight. You know? it's 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 just uh, only great, only multiple it's great coach, great players, like you need
2: all of those things to win it. That's why it's sorting them hard because you need so much. So, uh yeah, I mean there is this kind of like is Brady lucky? Uh those teams don't win their Super Bowls without Tom though. That would be the counter, right? Cuz you don't beat
3: congrats on no TDs against the Chiefs, but if somebody else is their quarterback, are they even there? But, like, I I think the Jordan documentary is a great example of, like, no one our age or older even pretends to argue. um, Nick Wright's the lone guy, like, over 30 that thinks LeBron's better than Michael. But I think LeBron is a good example of this, too. But let's just use Michael. Like, Michael had arguably the greatest two way player as his right hand man, Scottie Pippen. He had multiple generations of one, he had Horace Grant, and then he had Dennis Rodman. He had an unreal point guard in. Ron Harper the second go round. The first go round he had B.J. Armstrong. He had shooters like John Paxson hit the game winning shot of the finals Kerr. game. So did Steve Kerr. Like you need other people. To, like he had a great coach. Like part of it is like you cannot. This is not golf or tennis. Like Tiger can't just do it all by himself. You do need other people. Like when the game shows, the other people have to show up. Right in yep. basketball, football. Same with baseball. Like. You're going to need random guys to get hits. You're going to need random bullpen guy to give you two innings in a f- game three when you're sh- right. <laughs> I think sometimes that gets lost probably more in basketball because it is kind of like an individual sport mixed with the team sport. But in football, like Teddy Bruschi gets a lot of credit, right? <laughs> Gronk gets a lot of credit. Devin McCordy gets lot- health Slater. Uh, the, the special teams demon is like the guy leading the huddles. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. Who feels like does that guy have Patriot GM written all over it in like 2030? What's his first name? Matt. N- Matt Slater. Yeah. Matthew. UCLA guy. Super smart. I mean, the crafts the guy. I have to love him. He got he led the team breakdowns while Tom Brady was on the team. Like That's he broke down the team.
2: Uh, last one here. This is from Forty Deuce. Appreciate it, Forty Deuce. Uh. Hey guys, listening since 2016, and I believe the show has never covered this topic, or at least since I've been listening, since wagering on sports has been legalized in states like Michigan and Washington, the Action Network app growing its reach, perfect ham sponsorship by the way, and apps like DraftKings and FanDuel accepting wagers online, the disadvantages of living in California continue to pile. I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on our progress to legalize, as you'd think the tax revenue from doing so would help the state- Rather than us turning cash into Bitcoin just to get on a Gonzaga SF line, <laughs> betting on Gonzaga USF. John,
3: I saw someone on Twitter today said that like Bank of America or Goldman Sachs or one of those originally estimated like twelve months ago that gambling would be like almost a like one point eight to two billion dollar industry. They now a year into it, seeing that some of these states legalizing and probably able to do projections once the three. California Florida Texas three biggest states are not legalized yet it's now up to close to 10 billion projection once it's fully legal like that's the tax you know benefits uh yeah sorry 10 billion per year per year 10 billion dollar industry I
2: I was just looking back apparently one of the senators who wanted it on the ballot estimated 700 million a year in the state in California
3: for 2022
2: but they can they can update those numbers
3: so I, I would say California might be worth alone a couple billion, you know, in, in theory. Like, I I do think there are challenges. I, I worry that California, because the indie casinos have a lot of juice, and one thing they can do right now, and they did this for the last ballot, they can do legal paying off politicians. And that's, they have so much power because they generate, so they can't get taxed. And they've had, they have the market corner. Now, they don't have sports like gambling, that's it's different. I if I had to guess why they fight it at least in our state is because they know the trickle down effect that eventually you know, cards then wouldn't be far behind. Could there just be casinos in like downtown Sacramento or downtown the bay area, LA, San Diego. It does feel like that's inevitable. I I, I do wonder though for the last state cuz the indie casinos have they guy they make so much fucking money. It's untaxed and they have a lot of juice. And in they in 2004 want it.
2: In 2004, the tribe spent $33 million to defeat a ballot measure that would have allowed racetracks and card clubs to operate slot machines, <laughs> which, again, to your point, is a little different than sports gambling. That's direct competition. Because yeah. they don't
3: have a sports book.
2: Right. Uh, five the other of the thing biggest they, tribal the other thing they spent $2 the other million dollars on they political don't have, contributions
3: last year. Like, if they did it, let's say they were able to get sports books. Well, me and you could just start one, downtown Walnut Creek. We could just turn basically a sports pub into a sports book. Why would I have to drive to Cash Creek or Feather Mountain or wherever, right? Right, right. They, And their locations are kind of unique. And they're, they're to
2: your point, like, there are hotels that are attached. There's a lot of hotel visits, right? It's not just for them. It's not just the actual gambling dollars. It's the hotel. Sometimes there's golf courses attached, right?
3: Yeah, I think they're going to go down swinging. And they have a the cash them. to fight it. Yeah. I, I don't blame them. I, I, if I was in their shoes, I would do it 100%. My business at all costs. My problem is, like, if I'm just saying it's an independent person, like, why do they get to have the market cornered now? Like, don't, it's time. And and, and this is where I think they're just going to get caught in the wave of it's going to be out of their control and they're going to fight it till the last day. But I, I would say in the next five years, they're probably fucked. But they're not really in the short term. Like, they're, it's not like even if there is a sports book in like downtown LA. It's not going to have slots. That's not the ruling yet. Maybe right. that's inevitable. Which I do think. Yeah,
2: I mean, I, I, the competition of just having being able to play poker on your phone, right? I don't know. Does does our generation? I mean, I remember in high school, pe- you know, a lot of people you would go, people would go to the casino to play cards and that kind of thing. But
3: I do think sports gambling is just going to be all in an app, right? Once right, right. But what I'm court. saying
2: is, will people who are 25 to 35 year olds now go to casinos for anything
3: in 20 years? Yeah, because you still need things to do, right? To get buffets, one thing we've learned during Corona to to. is like you do need like. Why do we do anything just to get out of the house? Go do something?
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess, but I, it's easy to forget that back before Corona, we were all in the house just trying to get everything on our phone. Now we all want to get out of the house.
3: At some point, we'll all just want to stay. in the I, house I just, again. I, I guess, my point is, I am just in defense of a casino. Like, I don't think the. the hard casino will disappear because they can bring a lot. They can do restaurants. They can do some games. It's just, it's basically uh Dave and Buster's for adults for the weekend. Right? Yeah. Not necessarily but I do just think for the, the weekend, the, but I'm just saying the, it is
2: an easy weekend. hangout out.
3: I've pro I've prophesized that if it does just become legal everywhere, that does hurt. Like one thing Vegas has had is they've had a market cornered beside like Mississippi and Jersey. It was the only place you could gamble. Right. Right. And they Absolutely. marketed it well I think, and set it up well. I think this well, is
2: why but, they're trying. I think this is why they've made such a push to add pro sports teams because they need
3: some. They need another reason to pull people in. I think
2: they see it that way too. Vegas, yeah.
3: But it's still like you go to the casino having gone over Corona in the Palazzo. There are a lot of other things there: shopping, food, shows. Like it's it's not yeah it's not just playing roulette, concerts. Right? Yeah. When I was there, the sports book wasn't even open. But oh, there is something Bunny pretty Ranch. cool about it. A sports book, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of shit going on there. All right, on is, that is, note... Is that next endeavor? <laughs> in Walnut Creek? The Walnut Creek Bunny Ranch? <laughs> in, whatever costs you in Nevada, you quadruple that for uh, the price no of life paying in rent. They'd be like, no, 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 come come to Reno. <laughs> just try, just follow me over to this stop, this uh, truck stop over here, this rest stop. Just, just cross the border for when I report this uh, income later. If you ever go to... The casino, the Talking Stick in Scottsdale, it's badass, very cool. Casino, it's got golf courses behind it. The Suns, yeah, it's it's pretty sweet.
2: All right, good mailbag. Good talk with uh, Hunter Bishop today. Yeah, accomplished a lot. I feel like I had a busy day. We got a few YouTubes to do. Holler at us later.
0: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do.